Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. If you turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members and, are, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body where whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into that one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear will say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it not therefore of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Amen. Everybody tell your neighbor, where you belong in the body is where it pleases God. That's a lot to tell your neighbor. Normally it's like three words. I just gave you a whole sentence. All right? I want to be where it pleases God. Amen. Amen. And, and it's best for the body if we find where, where I belong pleases God. It works best for the body when, when that's our goal. Verse 20, but now are they many members yet but one body. And I want to talk to us today, teach on this thought. To find your fit, you must submit. All right, to find your fit. I told you. Everybody's like, he wasn't lying. We're going for steak today. We're starting out this morning with the dreaded S word, submit. Oh, yes. <laughs> there aren't many words <clears throat> that can be used today to get the crowd buzzing and culture chirping. Regardless of how you feel about, and I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to tell you today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a few references to some political things that are going on, but I, in my opinion, I'm going to stay out of politics until they come into the church. When they start making their way, when there are issues that deal with the church, I'm going to talk about how they deal with the church. I'm not going to deal into who you should vote for. All right, I trust you're praying and seeking God for that, but there are some things that are happening politically that are, are going to have an impact in the church, and so... Not only do I have a right to talk about that, I have a responsibility to talk about that. And then I'll, I'll try not to dance too long in that arena because I know that talk about steak and choking right there, that'll, that'll get things fired up quick. But regardless of how you may feel about the appointment of uh, Amy Bar uh, Barrett, I think is how you say, to, to the Supreme Court from a political standpoint, whether you agree with the appointment, it should concern us that much uh, of the pushback to her being appointed has centered around her faith. I read this quote from a, a uh, outlet, a news outlet, Salon.com, posted an article concerning Barrett's faith in which they said, and this is a quote, people of praise, the, the religious organization that she is a part of, is charismatic Catholicism, a movement that grew out of the influence of Pentecostalism, which emphasizes a personal relationship with Jesus. Everybody say, that's me. 
and can include baptism of the Holy Ghost, say that's me, and speaking in other tongues. Everybody say that's us. All right, so they're targeting, all right, bringing awareness to this element of her faith. They go on in that article to ridicule the teaching of the church that a wife is to be submitted to her husband. All right, they're saying, those that have objection to her uh, again, whether you agree with the timing of it, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how this impacts the church, all right? Because what they're saying is that this woman is dangerous because she believes that a, a wife should be submitted to her husband. Well, we also believe that, all right? Ephesians 5.22, why do we believe that? Not because we're Pentecostal or because we're white or we're black or we're brown or we're yellow. We believe that because we, when we came into the church, we joined the culture of the church. And the Bible says... That a, a wife is to be submitted to her husband. Even, but here, it only works if the husband is submitted to Christ. Amen. All right? it, it gets all messed up when a, when a wife tries to submit herself to the husband, but the husband isn't submitted to Christ. So it is an order. It, it's divine order that God put in place. All right? Now, the, the reason that I'm, I, I'm expressing this uh, is, uh, uh, while I'm not going to venture a lot into the political things, ideology, uh, our religion in our nation should, should be concerning and at least be in your prayerful consideration about, about your vote that's coming up. This, these things should be, at least you should be praying about them. Everybody agree with that? Amen. All right. Now, I, I bring this issue to the forefront to highlight the modern mood toward submission. That the belief is this lady is dangerous, not because of the timing of the election or the timing of her being uh, uh, put into that position, but rather because she believes that submission is a good thing. Well, we also believe submission is a good thing. All right. However, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, not just that a wife is to submit to her husband, but again, the husband is to submit himself to Christ, and also that we are to submit ourselves one to another. All right. In other words, this, the church doesn't work without submission. The family doesn't work without submission. Your ministry doesn't work without submission. All right? you, you're, I'm going to say that you are dangerous to the church if you're not submitted. You're dangerous to your family. You're dangerous to yourself if you're not submitted. If you want to, if you want to find your fit, you must submit. Thank you. If you make it rhyme, everybody, oh, I like it. You just make it rhyme. All right? Now, the Greek word in the original text is hypotasis. All right, here we go. This is my Greek lesson for the day. Hypotasomeneo. Manoi. Manoi. That's it. I think I got the, up there. There you go. Can you read that? All right, that's how you spell it. Hypotasomeneo. And, and that is the word used in the Bible for submission in the New Testament. When it calls for us to submit, it's a call for us to hypotasomeneo or to recognize ordered structure. All right, it, it's to recognize that, that there is an order to things. That, that there is an order that, that things operate if they're done in the right order. All right? And if, we, if you plug your toaster in, it works better. All right? There's an order to that. First you plug it in, then you press down on the little lever, and then you get toast out of it. Okay? If you don't do it in that order, you don't get toast out of it. All right? and, and, and so it is that, that's what this word means. Submission is recognizing that there is an order that things operate best in. Right, why all this problem? We wonder, we, we, we did away with submission in the home. We did away with the husband submitting to Christ. We did away with the wife submitting to the husband and the children submitting to their parents. And we wonder, why is our world a mess? Because the opposite of order is chaos. 
And when you don't submit, you get a mess. When you don't submit, everything gets out of order. And you wonder, why am I not getting toast? Well, it's because it's not plugged in. That was the first step. You missed the first step. All right? The opposite of order is chaos. And our God is a God of order. If your God is not a God of order, you've got a different God than I do. All right? You're serving an idol because the God I serve is a God of order. What he did, the first thing he did in the scripture, he stepped into chaos and started speaking order. First thing he did. In the beginning, God stepped into void and chaos, the face of the deep. And what did he do? He started, he started producing order. Okay, as soon as, he, as soon as he made light, the next thing he did was put light in its place. Then he made darkness and put darkness in it. And if you're out of place, if, you, if you're out of place, you're not, you're, you're not in order. All right, the opposite of order is chaos. God stepped into chaos and started putting everything in order. His answer to chaotic, the chaotic condition was to bring ordered structure. And hypomeneo is to recognize ordered structure. He said, I'm going to put stars to govern. And I'm going to put the sun and the moon to rule. I'm going to, uh, he began to establish laws, like he, the law of gender. He put inside of the, 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 the tree, he put inside of that fruit, the seed, so that it would continue to produce after itself. The same thing he did with us. We have the ability to produce after ourselves. That is a law that God put in. It's, it's structure and order. He established laws that would maintain order and structure. God's nature is order. Now, our nature, the fallen nature of man, is chaos. When man takes God out of the equation, the result is always chaos. If you start getting chaos in your life, first thing you need to do is say, where did I, where did I leave God? If things are getting chaotic, if my finances start getting chaotic, I start, where did I not pay my tithe? Because when you leave God out, chaos starts happening. And if chaos starts happening in your family, where are we not, where are we not putting God first? There's some, we're not praying like we should as a family. Okay? When chaos starts breaking out, it's a clue to you that, that I, I, I left God out of the equation. So our nature is chaos. When, when, anytime man takes God out of the equation. Why is our nation in the problem it's in? Well, point back a few years ago when we decided God didn't belong in our schools. And we decide God doesn't belong in the courtroom. You take God out, this is what you get. You get chaos. Why, why, why does everybody hate each other? Why can't we all just get along? Well, I wonder the same thing, but I know the answer. The answer is because we decided we don't want to be one nation under God any longer. We want to be one nation under man. All right? Now, our fallen nature, the result of man without God is always chaos. But submission is when we recognize the need for ordered structure. We recognize that God has a way of doing things, and God's way is better than my way. Amen? Amen? I may not like it. As a man, I, we don't always like it that we have to submit. We probably never like it. But, but I also understand if I, don't, if I don't submit, if my wife is trying to submit to me and I'm not submitted to God, it's like a, a train wreck. Right? The, the second uh, train in the... In the whatever they call it, the second car and the train, whatever those are, all the, the, all the car, trains lined up, overtaking the first one. It's, it's a mess, all right? So parents will understand this analogy, perhaps moms more than dads, but moms, what happens after you clean a room really good? You go into the playroom and you get all the toys organized, everything put in its place, the bed made, vacuum the floor nice and clean. What's the first thing that two-year-old does when they walk in the room, right? They say, this isn't how it's supposed to go. 
Toys aren't supposed to be in the toy box. They belong on the floor where you step on them. That's where toys go. Legos, Legos need to be stepped on. We've got to get those back out of the toy box. We've got to get those in. Why is that? Because, uh, because they're immature. That's a child. They're immature. They don't understand the need for order. They're immature. And the propensity to step into structured order and wreak havoc is a sign of immaturity. Whether it's a two-year-old in a playroom or a 45-year-old in a church. When we look at structure and say, it doesn't belong that way, we need some chaos here, that is a sign of spiritual maturity. Immaturity, sorry. All right? Paul writes to the church at 1 Corinthians, or at Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40. He says, let all things be done decently and in order. How many of you today want to find your place in the body? This local body? The body beyond this church? You want to find your place in the church. Well, I want to help you do that. And so there are some principles that will help you to find your place in the body. And, and again, these principles go in the flow of if you want to find your fit, you must submit. Paul says that we must submit one to another. In other words, the body works when we all recognize that there is ordered structure and we're all working to find how we best fit. Not how we best shine, how we best fit. All right? Romans 12 and 10 says the same thing but another way. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Preferring one another. And the order starts breaking down when we prefer ourselves. Right? Selfish ambition. Forcing our fit. I feel like this is where I fit best. I feel like I've got this ability and nobody else is recognizing it, so I'm just going to make it happen. And then you get chaos. And it is amazing to me how we will call out just about every other sin in the church today except for the one that I think the scripture is most pointed about, and that is rebellion. We'll call out every other sin. We would not let, right, we'll put, as Brother Roberts might say, in honor of Brother Roberts not being here today, we will put lipstick on that pig, right? We'll dress rebellion up and make it look cute and let it come to church with us and sit in the pew right in the chair next to us. In my little piggy cute. No, it's rebellion. It just has lipstick on. All right? Rebellion is simply revolting against order. It's the two-year-old that walks into the structured room, the, the toys that Sister Michelle put away, and says, I don't like that there. I want it back. In the, that's, that, that, that is rebellion. Rebellion is saying, I don't want things in their place. I want things how I want them. All right? And we'll say things like, well, I'm just a, I'm just a strong person. All right? it, it's just my personality. I don't, I'm not going to go with the flow of the structure of the church because I'm just a strong person. No, no, that, that's lipstick. All right? There's a pig under that, and that pig is the spirit of rebellion. Now, we wouldn't allow somebody practicing pedophilia to have free reign in the church. If they came in and were known... You know, I'm not talking about somebody that's prayed through and recovering and we would, we would help them. I'm talking about somebody practicing, all right, that active in that lifestyle. We, we would not allow them if they just came in and said, well, that's just my personality. That's who I am. We would say, well, not in this church. It's not who you are. It's not going to happen here. We would protect our children from that. I pray that we would. Now, I know, again, I told you I'm going to touch on some things. Again, this is because it's, in the, it's making its way into the church. When politicians are saying eight-year-olds can decide what gender they are, 
there's a problem. Okay, and, and it's not just on one side of the aisle. It's not a uh, one party or the other. It's making its way. And here's the problem with that, because if an eight-year-old can decide what gender they are, the next thing that's going to be is you as a parent can't tell them what they are. And the authority of parents is about to be stripped away. I'm a, there's a, anyway, we, we, uh, there's an easy way to decide what gender you are, but I'll, I'll, leave, that, I'll leave that alone. All right? Hey, listen, I'm, I'm just, again, I told you today, I'm going to let you know who we are. We're not buying into all this mess. There's two genders. There's a male and a female. There's a man and a woman. You are what God made you. All right? We're not buying into all this mess. All right? We're not going along with that. And, and there may be the day that, 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 that I may be fined or jailed, whatever, but I don't, I, we're not changing that to fit the model of our, it's chaos. It's hard enough to find what you're supposed to do in life when you know what you are. Add another level of confusion to that when you don't even know who you are and what you are. How in the world are you supposed to figure out what you're supposed to be doing if you don't even know what you are? God made it real easy for you to figure out who you are. Anyhow. We wouldn't allow somebody actively and admittedly committing adultery to gain influence in the church. Right? We, we, would not, we would not allow that if somebody were actively, not, again, I'm not talking about if they're repenting and, and, and moving from that, yeah, we're going to help them, but if they're brazenly, actively involving in that, we're not going to give them influence in the church. But the Bible says rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Because rebellion has a spell that it casts on people. That if we're not careful, we become mesmerized by a rebellious spirit that comes into the church. Rebellion will cause people to be led astray. We'll put lipstick on it and dress it up real nice. But if you want to know what rebellion is, it's, it's defying the structure and the order that's already been in place. When we walk into a room and say, I don't like the way it is, I'm going to change it to be something different, that's rebellion. When we walk into church and we say, I don't like the structure that's set up here, I'm going to do things my own way, and if you, if you don't recognize me, I'm going to force my way in there, I'm going to tell you, that you can put all the lipstick on you want it, but it's still a pig. All right? So, rebellion will cause people, it's a dangerous spirit. Rebellion, more than maybe all the other spirits that, that we could mention, rebellion is dangerous because it will lead people astray. They become mesmerized by this spirit. Now, it's not just the way that, that people are. It's not just they have a strong, there's nothing wrong with having a strong personality as long as you still recognize the order and the structure that is in place. All right? So first of all, there are three areas I want to talk about to fit. You must submit to the head of the church. Everybody's like, well, yeah, pastor, we see what you did there. You set yourself up for a spike. Well, not really, because I'm not the head of the church. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. I'm not asking you to submit to me. I am, I am a steward of a position that God has called me to, but I'm not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And if you're going to find your fit, the first thing you're going to have to do is submit to the lordship of Christ. You're going to have to submit to Jesus Christ as the head of the church. All right. So we need to submit to the headship of Christ in his church. We submit to the head of, of, of the church and that being Christ, 
How do we do that? One, by submitting to his word. Okay? All the little things you don't like in here. All right? All, all the little things in there that don't agree with, uh, with, with your lifestyle. Okay? No. If you want to find your fit, you got to submit. All right? We submit. We recognize the order that Jesus Christ brings to our life by obeying his word. All right? That, that's how I walk in the room and don't start throwing the toys you know, when we walk in the room and start throwing the toys in the middle, well, I don't like that one. I don't think we need to preach against that any, Pastor. You need to be careful talking about, you know, uh, gender stuff, Pastor. We don't like that any longer. It's 2020. I, what you want to do is throw the toys in the middle of the room. That's what you're trying to do is get the... T- Jesus said there's an order. I said that I made man, man, and woman, woman, and I did it for a reason. And I'm, I'm you can do what you want to do, but I'm going to continue, and this church is going to keep on recognizing that order and that structure. All right. We submit, first of all, we submit to God's word by following his plan of salvation. Amen. Now, that, so yeah, that's, that's common sense. Well, it's not. Because God gave the plan of salvation in the, the beginning of the New Testament, and since that, there's, men have made their own plan of salvation. Again, I'm just going to lay it all out there today. All right. Okay, there are some that have made the plan of salvation shake the pastor's hand. Okay, if you shake the pastor's hand and he welcomes you to the church, you're saved. Show me scripture for that. There's none. You won't find any. Okay, some say, well, if you say a thousand Hail Marys, you're saved. Okay, you say 10,000, you're still not saved. Okay, recite the sinner's prayer. Show me scripture for that. I'm glad you said the sinner's prayer. That's a good start. Amen? I'm all for it. Say the sinner's prayer. I say it every day. But that's not salvation. Okay, now this is Sunday school, and I know we preach the word from the pulpit. We teach it in discipleship classes. But I want to reiterate what we preach here at this church. Okay, I want to reiterate we don't preach the doctrines of men. I'm glad somebody came up with this easy recipe for salvation that you just recite a prayer that somebody else has prayed and all, and all of a sudden that's salvation. But as for me in this church, we're going to stay in the book and what the Bible says salvation is. And it's not you repeating after me. It, it, it's not. It's not you repeating after me and saying what I said. That's a good start. I'm not, listen, I'm not berating anybody, what anybody does. If you, if, you, if you do a thousand Hail Marys, I'm, I'm not refuting that. I'm, not, hey, I'm glad at least you're praying. Okay, it's a good start. It's not salvation, but it's a good start. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging you to go th- say Hail Marys. Don't go out of here and say, Pastor said we should do Hail Marys now. Okay? No, I'm not. But if somebody, if, if somebody has that level of faith, let's take them from where they're at and let's grow. Let's go from there. All right? If you've said the sinner's prayer, I'm not going to say undo that. Say it backwards. Undo that. No, it's good. St- start there. That's a good start. But that's not salvation. All right? If you have prayed the sinner's prayer, that's incredible. If you have confessed that you have faith in Jesus Christ, that's incredible. But when Nicodemus asked Jesus, what do I need to do to enter into the kingdom? Jesus didn't say, Nicodemus, repeat after me. I have sinned. Whatever. I don't even know the sinner's prayer. He didn't say repeat after. That's not what he did. He didn't say confess the Lord. That's not what he said. He said, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Salvation is not some man-made recipe that you recite. It is obedience to his plan. That's right. 
We submit when we do what he said to do, not what Brand X said to do. It doesn't matter. Pentecostal, Baptist, Catholic, it doesn't matter. It's what this says. And you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Amen. Being born again of the water. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, it's water baptism in Jesus' name. 1 Peter 3 and 21 tells us that the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us. It's amazing, right? Did I add anything there? Somebody read that. That's Bible. Is that, that's Bible. That's not like my interpretation of the Scripture. That's the Word of God. And there's so many people today preaching, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. That it's something good to do. That you can join a church through baptism. It's, it's a nice to do. It makes you feel better about yourself. It's a public confession to others. And all of those things are true. But more than anything else, the reason I'm baptized is because baptism is a figure that doth now save us. Amen. Nicodemus, you want to be saved? Here's what I'm telling you to do. you got to be born of the water. Living hope, you want to be saved? Here's the gospel we preach. you got to be born again of the water. It's not enough to say, repeat some prayer somebody else prayed. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. How are we born again of the Spirit? And Peter yet spake these words in uh, Acts 10. The Holy Ghost falls on Cornelius in his house, and they of the circumcision which believe were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that the, on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know that? For they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. You want to be born again of the Spirit? You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Evidence by speaking in other tongues. Amen. That's who we are. We're not changing who we are. We preach the same thing Simon Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when he stood up and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's still what we preach. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, that's the structure that we have here. I don't agree with that. You don't agree with what? That was, that was Bible I just shared with you. That wasn't my interpretation. That wasn't some formula I came up with that I think works better. It's the Word of God that matters. So that's the ordered structure of the Word of God. That's what God said. This, this is what's going to save you. Repent. Be baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, let me say this. I don't attend a Baptist church. And I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be offensive today. But the reason I don't go to a Baptist church is because I don't agree with their doctrine. I don't believe in, in uh, salvation that comes by confessing the Lord. I don't believe that. All right? I, I don't believe that's what, it's not that what I believe, it's, what, it's not what I see in the scripture. I also don't believe in eternal security, or once saved, always saved, as it said. All right? I don't believe that. All right, so, so guess what? Because I don't believe that, I'm not going to go to a Baptist church. I'm not going to attend there. Okay? It would be wrong of me to go into a church that preaches another doctrine and try to straighten that church out. Okay? And bring chaos into that congregation. What I will do is I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray God will bring them revelation. But it's not going to bring, do anybody any good for me to sit in there and bring chaos into their congregation. All right? Likewise, if you come to this church, I'm telling you what we believe. I'm telling you what we see in the Word of God. It's not your place to come in and straighten this church out. No, nobody's doing that that I know of. I'm just telling you there's ordered structure that we need to recognize. That's submission. I submit to the, and if you, don't, if, if you don't believe that, but you still want to come here, I pray God will give you revelation. All right? But I, I'm not going to go into a church that isn't preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God. 
But again, I'm not going to go into some church and wreak havoc by undoing the structure that's in place there. I would simply do this. I would find me a church that is preaching the whole Word of God. And I hope that's why you all are here. It's because you know that we preach the whole Word of God. It's not, right, good, amen? Right? I, I, I think you may, you may have come the first time because you, you, my hair, hairdo was intriguing, but hopefully you've stuck around beyond that because we preach the Word of God. All right? Secondly, you must submit to the culture of the church. All right? You must submit. If you want to find your fit, you must submit to the culture of the church. Notice in the book of Revelation... When Jesus is speaking through the revelator to the seven churches, he doesn't say, hey, write this letter to the churches. No, he, there are seven different letters, one letter for each church because every church had a different culture. Now, they each had a different problem too, but they each had their own culture. And culture is driven by a lot of things. Culture is simply a custom. It's a way of doing things. How many of you, even in the same denomination, you've been to a church that does offering different right some churches you march down and drop it in the bucket right some churches they got like a, a an usher there like letting you know no it's not your turn yet okay now you get to go and now you go back to your seat right and and different church and you know what I as a preacher when I go into a church that I'm preaching at you know my first thing I want to find their culture and I want to fit into it okay I'm not I'm not talking about if I'm in a church you know I'm talking about church that preaches the same doctrine I'm preaching Okay, the first, I'll go into some churches and it's the custom of that church that before they get up there to preach, they kneel down at the chair and pray. You know what I do? I kneel down at my chair and pray. Do I feel a little awkward? Yeah, because I'm not used to it. But my first job to do is to walk into that church and find their culture. Not to walk in there and say, no, I'm going to do my thing. Now, you ain't going to tell me what to do. You kneel down and pray if you want to, but I'm not doing it. No, that brings chaos. My job is not to come into a church and undo what they got going on. My job is to come in. If I want to find my fit, my job is to submit to the culture of that church. Thank you, Eric. Eric agreed with me. All right? Now, John, he, Jesus speaks through the, uh, John, hey, write seven letters. One for each church because they each have their own culture. And, and I know they're each flawed. They each have their problems. But guess what? If you look in Revelation 1 and 13, even with their flaws, the Bible says that the seven candlesticks are the churches. And guess what? It says Jesus is in the midst of them. So look, I know you're going to look at the church and say you've got problems and you've got flaws. But guess what? Jesus is still in the midst of messed up churches. And Jesus has a way of working it out. And guess what? He may not need you to be the one to fix it for him. I know that's revelating. Wow, I thought that was my job. I thought that's why God sent me here. This young struggling pastor doesn't know what he's doing. That, that might be partly true, but anyway, well, that's another sermon for another Sunday. All right? Every church has a culture, and that culture is simply a custom. All right? For a church, there may be many different ways of doing things, the same things. One's not right and the other wrong, just different. Some churches you march to the front to give you tithes and offerings. Some churches, the things on Sunday when we come down here in a few minutes and everybody's going to be down here worshiping, in some churches they would have a heart attack. 
right? That, that, you don't do that. You stay in your seat and you worship, and that's fine. That's how they do it, okay? If I were in that church, I would honor their custom. I would honor their culture. Now, that's not how we do it here, and, and we're not going to change that for you. If you don't like it, stay in your chair. We're coming down here to worship, all right? But we cause chaos when we try to disrupt the culture of a church. We want, I'm going to dig in a little bit, all right? Okay, you ready? We want chaos. No, we don't want chaos. We cause chaos. How about that? When we try to disrupt the culture of a church, we think things should be done differently, but we don't want to pay the price of commitment. We want to take it upon ourselves to establish our own authority in the church. Right? That's the two-year-old boy getting all the toys and throwing them in the middle of the room. If you want to become a part of the culture of the church, if you want to help expand, listen, I'm not saying culture needs to stay the way it is. I think culture needs to get better. All right, there are things, I think we should always be looking for ways that we can do things better. I think culture begins to die when it becomes tradition, and we just say we're staying that way forever. That's just the way it's going to be. All right? However, if you want to become a part of that forward movement of culture in the church, if you want to help expand the culture of the church, then you must submit. You must submit. You must submit. You must recognize the ordered structure. We would not walk into Walmart without some resume, just get a job working at the, you know, bagging stuff or ringing people's groceries up and expect to be the head manager over a region within six months. We wouldn't expect that. We wouldn't expect that we walk in and they're like, oh, hey, why don't you go over there and run that department? No, we know that there is time that has to be invested. Right? Why, I, I, got, I need to prove myself that I'm committed. I need to prove myself that I'm going to show up to work on time. You need to see me demonstrate some things before I'm expecting to be exalted to a position of influence. We would expect that at Walmart, but we think we can sidestep all that in the church. If there's ever a place that it needs to be, it needs to be in the church. I'm going to prove it to you biblically. And one of my jobs here as the pastor is to protect you all. Probably my primary role is to, is to make sure that the church is a safe place. And, and if, so I'm going to say this, and again, I'm shooting straight right now. If I have not recognized somebody in a ministry role, there's, there's a reason for it. Make sure I get eye contact with most of you, all right? If I have not asked somebody to step into a role of ministry, you are putting yourself at risk by allowing them to influence your walk with God. The Bible says that we need to be careful about putting a novice into a place of authority. Well, that's not fair. No, it's for your good that we don't put you in a place of authority. It'll kill you. If you're not ready for it, it will kill you to be in a place of leadership. Sometimes the pastor doesn't have you do things and you think it's because he's holding you back. No, it's because he's making sure you don't go to hell. All right, he's making sure that you're not destroyed by your own ambition. All right? If, if the pastor hasn't recognized somebody and put his hand on them and said, this is a recognized minister among us, you are putting yourself at risk by saying, well, I don't care if the pastor recognizes them or not. I'm going to let them be a voice of influence in my life. Right. All right, you want Bible? Okay. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12. And we beseech you, Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, we beseech you, we beg you, Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The word know means have information about them. It's, 
uh, stupid, you can't say that. Dumb. It's, it's ridiculous to put somebody in an elevated position of influence in your life that you know nothing about. It, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a, it would be foolish of me as a pastor just because somebody walks in. I've been around long enough to know people can put on a good show. And they can say all the right buzz. I'm a prophet. I hear from the Lord. I, and, uh, thus saith the Lord. Right? I've been around long enough to hear them thus saith the Lord. And on Monday, they're out in town doing some things that the Lord didn't thus saith. Right? Here's what Jesus said. You will know them by their fruit. And it takes time for fruit to grow. I need to wait a season. I need to wait a season to see what's coming off of your tree. Okay, I'm not going to elevate you until I see, I'm going to wait for a harvest, and then we're going to see what, if the fruit is good, then okay, I'll elevate you in my life. But I need to see, I need to see a harvest first. Now, I've learned some of these the hard way. You all have watched me, you know, we've grown up together around here. I've learned some of these things the hard way. But Paul is saying, I'm begging you, know them. No, please don't put people in elevated positions in your life until you know them. Because anybody can shine for a minute. Anybody can walk into church and prophesy. Anybody can walk into church and say all the right buzzwords of Christianity. But I want to see the fruit of your life. I want to see how are things... Paul was pretty straight about it. He said, if you can't, if you can't take care of your family... Dads, if you can't govern your own home, you don't have a place in the church governing. All right? That's pretty... If your home ain't right... Um, well, Hallelujah. No, I'm not going to back up on that. If your home ain't right, if you can't take care of things at home, if things aren't in order at home, how in the world am I going to elevate you if you can't even take care of your home? You want me to follow you and you can't even take care of things? It's not happening, not happening. It's not happening here. All right? Secondly, here's another verse for you. If that, that one didn't. All right, 1 Timothy 5 and 22. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, but you can read it from whatever you want. King James is fine. Just New Living, I think, gives it a little better. King James Version says not to lay hands on a man suddenly. New Living Translation says never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry to appoint people to roles of influence in your life. This was written, 1 Timothy, to a pastor about elevating people in the church. Don't be in a hurry. Wait. Wait, let's see their fruit for a season. Let's see, let's see how it's developing in there. Don't be quick to give somebody influence. I told you all, some of you weren't going to like what I had to say today, but that's all right. Well, and, and some, well, what about the Apostle Paul? He was elevated pretty quickly, you know. I mean, like he had this great conversion. Next thing you know, he's preaching and teaching. Well, you know, there, there's some years in between some of those things. And, oh, by the way, Paul was the one who wrote both of those verses I just told you. Paul's the one who said, know them. Paul's the one who said, don't lay hands on them suddenly. All right? Paul is saying, Paul uh, wrote both of these admonitions to be careful to not put somebody in a position of influence too quickly. Listen, as a pastor, if I know that you are dealing with something, that you're not getting victory in your life, and there's an area that you need the word to still work in your life, it would be foolish of me to elevate you to influence when you're still struggling with something that could send you to hell in your own life. When you haven't gotten victory, all right, you're still recovering from some hurt in your life. What do they say? Hurting people do what? Hurt people. So you're hurting, but I'm going to elevate you. That makes sense. 
No, it doesn't make sense. We need to wait for you to heal. We need, for you to, we need to wait for you to get right. We need to wait for you until things are operating correctly, and then we can elevate you. Amen? But if you do it wrong, you're going to be destroyed, and others are going to be destroyed. Secondly, Paul didn't try to change the ordered structure of the church. Paul never, not one time, read it, Paul not one time did he walk in and say, I'm doing my own thing. Every missionary journey Paul went on, was he was sent by the apostles. Paul's ministry started when they brought him, and I think it was Timothy or Barnabas, and they laid hands on them, and they commissioned them. Every missionary trip Paul went on started with him submitting before the apostles, and them saying, okay, Paul, here's your mission, and then Paul, not one time did Paul come in and say, no, I'm doing my own thing. Nobody's telling me what to do. I saw Jesus on Damascus, on the road to Damascus. I saw him face to face. You're not telling me what to do. I'm a prophet. I'm a deacon. I'm an usher. I'm a whatever. You can get all the titles you want. Paul didn't do any of that. Paul didn't try to impress them. In fact, many places, Paul said, I, I don't want to be known by my titles. I want to be known as a servant. I want to be one known as one who is submitting. I want to be known as one who recognizes the ordered structure and operates within that ordered structure. Amen. Well, I just, Pastor, I see so many things in the church that need to be done differently. And I'm just a strong person, so I can't sit back and let things be done the way they are. No, that's, that's the pig in the house. All right, she's got lipstick on. He's got lipstick on. Speaking of the pig, not, you, not people. All right? But it's, it's still a spirit of rebellion because what it's doing is it's coming in and trying to take order that's already in place and throw it all out in the middle of the room and say, I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to do things. Pastor, you obviously don't recognize my abilities. You obviously don't recognize how talented I am, so I'm just going to do my own thing. All right? If you want to bring change to the culture, don't do it through rebellion, by revolting against the structure that's in place. Paul did bring change to the church for the good, but he didn't do it by being a strong person. He did it by being faithful to the calling that was given to him by the laying on of hands. All right? Paul used that strength to operate within the structure of the church that was already there, and then he moved in that structure to, to, to bring about and fulfill the call of God in his life. What time is it? All right. Lastly, to fit, you must submit to one another. To find your fit, you must submit to one another. And again, that just means to prefer one another. Okay, what is that? That means I'm putting the church before my own ambition. Listen, if I know that there's a move I'm going to make that's going to bring chaos in the church, I'm not going to do it. Okay? If there's some word God's given me that's going to bring chaos in the church, it's better for me to keep my mouth shut. All right? It's preferring the church. What team? What, what team operates, Coach? Your, your teams operate best when everybody knows their role, and, they, and the main goal of the team is win. You get one player who's more concerned about their statistics, the team's in trouble, right? And same in the church. We get more concerned about my ambition and me and my role and what God's trying to do through me, and the team suffers. But, 
Here's how, here's, if you want to find your fit in the church, you got to submit preferring one another. Amen. Preferring, first of all, the body. Preferring the church as a whole. That God, wherever I need to go, whatever you need to use me in for the church to win, that's where I want to be. God, whatever you need to use, if you've given me gifts and talents, and those talents can be plugged in so the church can thrive and grow, then God, use me there. But God, by the same token, if my talents and my strengths are going to cause chaos in the church, then God, I'm going to rein it in. All right, I don't ever want to try to make something happen that is going to cause chaos within the body. All right? I don't ever want to try to make something happen that is going to bring chaos into the church. We resist selfish ambition that elevates, elevates self, and we choose servant ambition that elevates... How, here, how does it work? How, do we, how does the church operate the best when, when I prefer everybody else around me? When I say, you know what? I want to see God use you, and I want to see God use you, and I want to see, you know what will happen if everybody did that? Selfish, there wouldn't be room for selfish ambition, and we'd all be elevated. Because while I'm over there saying, I want you to be elevated, and I want God to use you, somebody else is saying the same thing back to me, and we're, but, 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 but when it's self-motivated, when it's me, and I got to get to it, then we lose sight of this is all about the kingdom, and it becomes about me. All right? But I want to prefer the body of Christ. Stand with me. All right, if you want to fit, I've laid it all out there. Well, not all of it, but a good chunk of it today. If you were confused about where we stand doctrinally, I hope I laid it out there clearly. All right, and I'm not really not trying to be offensive. Okay, but we preach this. I'm not, you know, how many of you have been, Sister Lawrence, you've been coming here since pretty much day one. Am I preaching anything different? It's the same doctrine that we preach then. We're not. It's not like you know. Wow, I didn't. They've really changed some things around. No, no. We we preach that the whole time. It's who we are. We're apostolic. Okay. We we believe the apostles' doctrine. That's what we preach. We're not changing that. All right. The structure of the church. The the ministry that's in place. The ministers that are in place. I've watched fruit grow on their trees. Okay. If somebody comes among us. And, and just because pastor doesn't jump down and slap him around and say, get out of here, doesn't mean that it's okay. If people start elevating themselves and coming, I got a word for you, all right, be careful. Okay, wait, wait a season and see what's growing on the tree before you elevate somebody. I, I, anyway, I can, I can preach a sermon there. All right, amen. How many of you want to fit? You want to find your fit in the kingdom? How many of you... All right, so I know that it's a tough word. The, the submit word, Maddie, is a tough word. It's a tough word for all of us. I say that because, anyway, at the beginning. But it's necessary. I, I, if, if my wife is going to submit to me, I must first submit to Christ. All right, if our children are going to submit to our leadership, they've got to see us both submitting to Christ. And it's God's divine order. Amen. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you.